founding pastor. Come on, let's give him a, a day spring welcome. Steve Wilson. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. That last song, guys. Wow. That thing was building and building and building and building. We're going to have to do one of these Sundays where we just take the roof off and just let it build all the way through. What a privilege. Holy Spirit, help us this morning to do exactly what's on your heart. We open ourselves to receive, to hear, to respond, to do only what you're doing and to hear only what you're saying. Guard us as we share our hearts in Jesus' name. I want to talk this morning about the mission of the kingdom. I believe that the body of Christ is in incredible confusion right now about what we're supposed to be doing. And there are so many voices telling us so many things that we're supposed to be doing that if we're not careful, we behave like schizophrenics just running all over trying to meet everybody's thoughts of what we should do, but not actually accomplishing the things that are on the heart of God. If I was to subtitle today, it's Turn Your City Upside Down. Let's just start here in Acts. But when they did not find him, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rules of the rulers of the city, crying out, these are those who turned the world upside down, and they've come here too. When was that last said about you? When was that last said about you? When did you last get dragged before the rulers of the city and say, here are those that are turning the world upside down? It's hard for us to even get that in our mind. But the early church walked with such power of the Spirit that wherever they went, the society was shaken by their presence. The things that they were speaking shifted atmospheres. We've watched right here in this body as some people came with maybe some other agendas and as they encountered the Holy Spirit, they just literally pushed back by the presence and power of God. Can we believe that that would become our norm? So what's our mission? The churches had been placed in the, as an embassy of the kingdom of God. Wow, I, did, I misspelled embassy. Lord Jesus. Sally, you corrected that and I didn't change it. <laughs> Is it right up there? Good, okay. It's wrong in my notes. <laughs> the church's place is an embassy of the kingdom of God in a world occupied by the enemy. It's the conflict of these two kingdoms. It's conflict, the kingdom like kingdom of darkness. It's what defines our mission. And if we understand that, then we can, we can live at peace with the fact that we are in war. Yeah. 
But if we're not careful, we can war against darkness instead of warring for the king. The victory over the kingdom of darkness, and I'm going to stay kind of close to my notes, I apologize, but and if some of your note takers today, please don't take notes. I, I am, I'm going to post these online. You can have everything I'm saying online without you having to get distracted by notes today. And I'm, I'm going to kind of blow through this a little bit. I want to get to your heart, not to your head. Is that all right? That's what we're aiming at today. The victory over the kingdom of darkness was, was accomplished in Christ, but it's brought into full manifestation by the people of God. The victory was complete in Christ. But he's left us with this incredible privilege of mopping up after the victory. And so we're at war, but we're in a mopping up war that's already been won. Even though it doesn't look like we've won, we've already won. If it doesn't feel like we've won, we've already won. We're, we're in this incredible place of, uh, of understanding that the kingdom of God is advancing, even though we may not see it as much as we want to see it yet. Ran across this Michael Brown quote this week, and I, it summed up what was on my heart for this morning. If you feel like it's your role as a believer to stop the spiritual and moral decline of society, you'll quickly become discouraged and worn out. But if you concentrate on advancing God's kingdom purposes by positively impacting one life at a time, you will be encouraged and renewed. A lot of the church is battling what's happening in society instead of extending the kingdom. Now, is what's happening in society bad? Of course it is. That it's, it's not a matter of, of putting up with it. It's a matter of putting our energies and our focus where we're supposed to be. This month is a month on encounters, and the, the purpose of me having an encounter with Jesus is not so I feel good. It's not so I shake, rattle, and roll. It's not so I speak in tongues. It's not so I prophesy. It's not so I have everything I need. The purpose of me having an encounter with Jesus is so that I can be an encounter for somebody else. That's the kingdom purpose. I, we have encounters so that we become encounters, so that other people encounter something that's different than they're encountering in the society around them. Sal and I have had more encounters in the last several weeks than we've probably had in the last year. It's just been a, a remarkable season of just God just bringing people and, and just they're encountering God. And, and it's in the midst of warfare and our own personal battle with Sal's health and all those things. We're, we're in all of that. But that does not define us. The battle against darkness doesn't define us. The kingdom defines us. And if we'll let the kingdom be our definition, it will shift how we live, how we think, how we behave, how we walk, how we act. So as ambassadors, believers operate with the full rights and privileges of the sending king. Now, we could do a whole Sunday morning on the embassy and ambassador idea, and we probably will a little bit further on.
But just, just get that in your mind that when, when you're born into the kingdom, the, the ground you occupy, the home you live in, the, the place you, you are, that becomes an embassy of heaven. It becomes a place that operates under a different set of rules, a different set of laws, a different set of principles. And as an ambassador, you respond to the king, not to local. As an ambassador, you're sent by the king on his behalf, to speak on his behalf, to speak what he's saying, you're not responding to the local. And if we'll catch that in our hearts, we'll suddenly be connected to an eternity that has absolutely no loss. Now we're in a battle. We're in a real, real battle. But if we're not careful, the battle starts defining us. Do I believe cancer needs to be healed? Absolutely. Have we been bottling that in our own family? Yes. Does that define us? No. What the enemy does doesn't define what we do. And if you're being defined by what the enemy's doing, then then you're going to be constantly bashed to and fro. Marlene was just sharing this morning, this is not encouraging, but it's real. That Benny Johnson, Bill's wife, just started in chemo again two weeks ago. Does that negate what he does? Oh no. We're in a battle for a cancer free zone. And in a battle, that thing touches us, but it has no right and no power because it's not from the kingdom, it's from the kingdom of darkness. And if we don't take that stand and aggressively go after it, even if our own circumstances don't meet what we believe, we're we're trying to drag our circumstances into alignment with what we know the Word of God says. I refuse to let circumstances define the truth. When you're connected to the kingdom, it, it, it shifts the way you think and live and behave. So believers, as believers, we possess the full authority and power to act on his behalf and carry out his wishes. You have everything you need to win. You have everything you need to win. We just got to get ourselves aligned with his purpose. Just a few things about that kingdom and the church's place in it. The church is the community of the kingdom living out heaven's culture and values. How are we to live? We live as a community. The emphasis we've had on family for the last year. The church is the community of the kingdom. That's where the community is fleshed out. That's where, where the body of Christ is fleshed out. It happens in this arena where we live by heaven's values and heaven's purposes and we try to get those things worked into the way we behave with each other. Sometimes it's incredibly difficult to get that culture and value system into our society because our society is so different than heaven's culture. I love our nation, but not everything our nation's done lines up with kingdom culture. 
I won't go into detail, unless I get lynched this morning. <laughs> the church is, the, is Christ's body operating as an instrument of reconciliation in the world. Our purpose here is to see people reconciled to God. We're here. You are here to see people reconciled to God. You're not here to make a good living. You're not here to make a name for yourself. You're not here to get the best job or the best house or the best ever. You're here for one purpose, reconcile people to God. And if you're not living to reconcile people to God, then you're missing your purpose. A lot of people are wondering what their purpose is. Get reconciling people to God and you'll find your purpose very quickly. Because our whole purpose here as the body of Christ, if, if, if it wasn't that, it would be better to just die and go to heaven. But we're not because he's left us here for a purpose. And that purpose is the fulfillment of his mission. If we don't see that mission, if we don't grasp the mission of the kingdom, then we're always going to be wondering what we're supposed to be doing. The church is surrounded by enemies over which the king has complete victory. How many of you feel like you're surrounded sometimes? <laughs> I mean, we have a, that one of those songs, fairly new songs, I'm surrounded. Yeah, right. But the truth of the song is I'm surrounded by him. What are you surrounded by? You look at all these armies. You look at all this stuff going on in society. Remember when Elisha and his servant were... Facing, facing down the enemy coming. It, it, it just, I mean, there's unbelievable odds. And Elisha prays, God just opened his eyes. Yeah. And suddenly he sees heaven surrounding them. Yeah. And suddenly those with him were more than those against them. And just the whole mindset shifts because, because you understand there's something else at work here. As the body of Christ, we live so natural that we don't see that realm and we don't see the armies of heaven lined up and, and, and in preparation to do whatever the king commands in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> ah, this will get you hopeful. The church is charged with the responsibility of expanding the influence of the king. Your job as a believer is to expand the king's influence. Where you shop, where you eat, where you work, where you play, whatever you're doing, your responsibility, your mission in life is to expand the king's influence. Buy into that mission and you'll suddenly feel successful. Whatever you're doing, you'll feel successful. It doesn't really matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're hanging sheetrock or Mud and taping, which is Dennis's specialty back, doesn't matter what you're doing. By the way, several people right now, several men gather around Dennis right there at Dennis Bloom. Dennis fell, and he's hurt, broken two ribs, and he needs a healing. And let's just, while we're preaching, let's see that healing manifest in Dennis right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me about that one. The church manifests the kingdom by reaching the world and breaking the grip of evil. So every time you 
release somebody bound in sin, every time you pray for deliverance, every time you pray for healing, every time the Holy Spirit manifests the kingdom through you, you're extending the influence of the king. If you're not exercising the Holy Spirit in your normal life, we talked about this last time, that the operation of the Holy Spirit is literally the, the kingdom element that's poured into society. If you didn't hear that message, it was two weeks ago, go listen to that and then listen to this again. It'll tie the two things together for you. The church is a strategic base to invade, influence, infiltrate, and impact the world. We're base. Something about that in our system here. What's the job of a base? To, to affect the world. I mean, through COVID, we as a body of Christ have had an incredible impact in South Africa, in Switzerland, in France, in, in, in Australia. We've seen churches planted through this body during COVID. That's exciting. Dennis, how's your pain level? How's your pain level, Dennis? Move your arm. How's your pain level? Okay, keep going back there. Don't stop. Let's see this thing all the way through. I, I don't know who first said this. I couldn't find the origin of this quote, but I love it. The world at its worst needs to see Christ as best. And the way the world sees Christ as best is through the body of Christ. Okay. So what's our mission? Exactly what Jesus was. You know, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This verse has probably been sound my life verse for the last 40 years at least. Because we try to map our life by this verse. This is Jesus' job description. And he taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught us to pray and to, to believe in the rule of God into this realm. And even though darkness seems very dark, we are seeing some of the greatest breakthrough in the nations that we have in all of history. In this moment, in this time, we're in the middle of it. And I believe we are going to see a great move of the Spirit in our nation. I believe we're on the, the edge of one of the great revivals in all of history. Because when the world gets desperate, they start looking for answers. And if there's a people connected to the kingdom, they have answers. And the answers aren't in politics or any other area. The answers are in the kingdom being released and Christ being released and his power and authority being demonstrated. Back in about 100 years after Christ, there was a guy by the name of Ignatius of Antioch. And I, I love some of these old, the way some of these old guys wrote, but he wrote this. He was actually one of seven letters he wrote. He was on the way to Rome. He was convicted of, become, of being a Christian. And he was on his way to Rome to be executed, which he was executed. 
and he wrote, he wrote several letters to church, I think seven letters. And this was actually in one of those letters. When you meet frequently, the power of Satan are confronted. The powers of Satan are confronted. And the presence of your collective faith, his evil intentions crumble. In the presence of your collective faith, his evil intentions crumble. What if we could begin to believe that again? That's 100 years after Christ. That was the position of the church as they walked to execution. Keep meeting. Let your collective faith cause the enemy's strategies to crumble. I believe there are some enemy strategies at work in our nation right now. And those strategies aren't going to be fixed by us going after the strategies. The strategy is going to be fixed by us living the kingdom. By our intercession, by our obedience, by our walking, by the speaking when we're supposed to speak. I mean, there's all those things are going to happen. Then he spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three packs of flour until it was leavened. Now just to tackle a misconception, leaven is not sin in Scripture. There's no scripture that says leaven is sin. It's become traditional that leaven is sin, but that doesn't make it scripture. That just means tradition thinks that's what it is. Um, Leaven has several qualities, but it's used in scripture to describe the influence of something. And just look at some of the qualities just real briefly. I don't don't want to take a lot of time on this. Um, It takes only a very small amount to cause the dough to rise. So even a tiny amount will eventually work its way through the entire batch. Think about the kingdom. Think about leaven. Tiny amount of kingdom. Oh, come on, guys. Come on. Just a tiny amount of kingdom introduced into your workplace. Just a tiny amount of kingdom introduced at your dinner table. Just catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it. Sometimes we want to go for the big, powerful things, and you're going to get them. I think we're coming in the season of some of the greatest miracles we've ever experienced, I, I believe. We've had a, we had a wave in the 2012 right through to about 16. It seems like we've been fighting for them for a couple years here, but we're coming back into the next wave, and I believe we're going to walk into some of the greatest creative miracles we've ever experienced in our life. We're beginning to get testimonies from overseas of of some things happening that are just absolutely extraordinary. One of the definitions says that leaven changes or alters whatever it comes in contact with. In this case, the dough. When leaven goes into the dough, it actually, cha- it actually alters what's there. What if we could believe that the leaven of the kingdom introduced into society would actually begin to make the change? <laughs> Y'all with me still? Y'all still here? Two other definitions from a couple of dictionaries. 
direct quotation, to affect in character anything that by pervading influence works a general change. Do you know that the leaven of the spirit, the leaven of the kingdom, has the power to affect change? Sometimes we're trying to affect change by our, by our, by our words, by our actions, by our anger, by our intensity. But what if we would release the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit of God make the change? What if? Y'all still here? There was another dictionary had this definition, a pervasive influence that modifies something or transforms it for the better. Can you believe that the Holy Spirit at work could shift society? In the Welsh revival, the cultural shift was so dramatic over that period. It wasn't a very long revival. Cultural shift was so dramatic that the mind shut down. The mind shut down because the pit ponies that pulled the carts of coal only responded to profanity. And the now believers weren't using profanity, so the pit donkeys couldn't obey anymore. And they had to be retrained to a new language because their drivers weren't using the language they used to use. Now that's pervasive influence of the kingdom. Bars in two or three cities completely shut down because the whole society stopped drinking. How do you do that? By protesting? Or do you do it by releasing the Holy Spirit to begin to work a dramatic change? I have way more confidence in the Holy Spirit than I do my ability to affect the change. Y'all still with me? So the Holy Spirit introduced in the church leavens every thought and action, leavens everything we do. And then that's released out into the world. We talked last time about the, the leaven, the, we were talking about the Feast of Pentecost and how at, at Passover, the leaven was taken out of the bread, representing self-effort, all the things. They're coming out in a hurry. They don't have time to do certain things. But at Pentecost, the bread they used was leavened bread because the, there was a rising agent introduced into the church, and that rising agent introduced was the Holy Spirit. So at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes into the church and it becomes the leaven that causes the kingdom to grow, that causes the life of Christ to spread, that causes that pervasive influence that we as an individual, we could never produce that change. But the Holy Spirit operating through us begins to move through the entire society and something shifts because the Holy Spirit's at work. Unfortunately, the church for the last period has, has lived with a form of power but not releasing the kingdom it's time for the kingdom to be released it's not a shift of age I, there's some that talk about the end of the church age beginning of the kingdom age I, I just don't, I don't think that language is correct because the 
I, I believe the church is always the community of the kingdom. We can't have one without the other. They belong together. They're one thing. But this is a season when if we want to see revival in our nation, it's not going to come through some of the traditional means. Jonathan Edwards. Oh, Steve, don't get lost. Jonathan Edwards. His famous sermon in the first great awakening was sinners in the hands of the angry God. It, it was about the, the effect of sin and the destruction that sin created. Great move of God. Second great awakening was Charles Finney and that had much more to do with prayer and preparation. There was uh, John uh, Nash. What was his first name? Nash. Somebody tell me. Nash. Daniel Nash. Thank you. Daniel Nash went ahead of Finney and would open heaven and pray in this portal of the presence of God. And then Finney would come and speak in that environment uh, of breakthrough. And there were tremendous breakthroughs of of life and the waiting bench for getting filled with the Spirit. All those things begin to happen in the Second Great Awakening. The Third Great Awakening was Pentecost at Azusa Street. And in that awakening, people that came within proximity, sometimes as much as a mile away from the building, would get hit by the Holy Spirit and fall under conviction and walk into the room already transformed by the power of God. What's happening? We're moving through history, understanding the revelation that we're living in in each moment in time. And right now, God's wanting to, in, wanting to engage the body with king, the truth of the kingdom, the power that's available to us. Those kingdom citizens, our thoughts and agenda should be, be set by the king, not by the enemy. So often we are more moved by what the world is doing than what by the king is saying. It's time for us to shut out the other voices and focus in on what, what is the king telling me to do today? What's he telling me to do with my finances, with my time, with my energy, with my resources? And if we are operating from that position, then the kingdom is being extended. If you're running around trying to put out fires, you're going to waste your whole life trying to deal with the crisis around you. Or you can focus in on what the king is doing. As kingdom people, if we model the goodness of God, we, we can trust the Holy Spirit to do the convicting church has been really bad at being the convictor. Trying to do the Holy Spirit's job and make it better. But if you demonstrate the goodness of God, the Holy Spirit is a much better convictor than you are. Isn't it fascinating that Jesus would encounter somebody obviously in sin, but he wouldn't talk about the sin until after the encounter. Then it was go your way and sin no more. But the encounter did the transforming. The Holy Spirit through him impacted the life. Then you make the decoration from this point and you cut off sin.
There's sin that needs to be cut out of the body of Christ. There, there, there are obvious things that transgress the word of God. As a body of Christ, we're, we're never going to fudge on the sin issues of Scripture. It doesn't work. But we can trust the Holy Spirit to do his job if we'll do our job. Y'all with me? I'm messing with you. Help me, Lord. Our identity, our identity is secure in Christ. I'm not going to take time on that right now. We treat people, even our enemies, with honor because Christ's blood set their value. Can you behave toward people with honor even when you disagree with them? We unite around the mission of Jesus, not around doctrine. Boy, this is hard for us. See, we had this incredible reformation, and the reformation was a really important period. It, it restored so many things to the body of Christ. And most of the reformers wanted to stay in the church and reform it from within, but in the end, most of them were kicked out of the church or chose to leave. Some of them did. The problem was that from that moment of the Reformation, we kind of perfected the art of dividing. And we perfected the art of dividing over doctrine. And somehow we're so sure that we have the correct doctrine. I'm old enough to know that I know less than I used to know. In fact, I'm pretty sure that there are some things that are in conflict with each other. They're both true. Because I'm pretty sure that God's infinite mind is capable of things my finite mind can't comprehend. So I'm pretty sure you can lose your salvation. I'm also very sure that you can't. Churches have divided over that issue for years. I think somewhere, in some... <clears throat> I'm an engineer. I don't like that. But I suspect his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And we need to be careful that we join around the mission of Jesus and not join over around our doctrinal preferences. That's why we can have people in this body that hold to different positions on eschatology because eschatology doesn't define the mission of Jesus. That may be important to study. It may be important to learn. It may be something we need, and, and I'm not dismissing that. But if we ever come to the point of dividing over the things that we think, We've missed the entire purpose of the kingdom, which is the mission of Jesus. I don't very often share what my views are because I don't want to get pigeonholed. I mean, I'm a fairly confident pan-millennialist. It's all going to pan out. I just want to stay right, do my job, 
be obedient, listen to the Holy Spirit, and stand before him and hear a well done, good and faithful servant. That's what matters. That's what matters. And I think as we move forward, we're going to find ourselves walking beside some people that we never would have thought we would walk beside. And we can look at one of their doctrines or two of their doctrines or three of their doctrines and think, man, that's really so far off. Y'all with me? Y'all still together? Unity of the Spirit isn't found by doctrinal alliance. It's found by the Spirit alliance. In the kingdom, our measure for spiritual maturity becomes to love like Jesus loved. That, that's, your, that's your mark of maturity. Are you loving like Jesus loved? No? Well, you're not mature yet. That means we've all got some maturing to do. What's your goal? Can't be perfect doctrine. It's got to be perfect alignment to who Jesus is. In the process of what Jesus did, he warns of three other kinds of leaven, and I'm going to go through these kind of quickly. The context of this, he said, and he was giving them orders saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Over in the Matthew story, the same thing. It's the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees. So I want to talk about those three leavens because I think they're, they're incredibly relevant right now in this moment and what we're facing in our nation. And I may have to redo this part of it to have a little bit more time, but let's, let's hit it quick and then we'll see what happens. First was the leaven of the Pharisees. Um, this was the law. It represented the religious system. Jesus was actually theologically most aligned to the Pharisees. That their, their religious understanding. Now, he didn't align to the 613 extra laws that had been added in, but, but their basic reference to the law, the resurrection, those things. Jesus was fairly aligned, actually, to their theology. But he wasn't aligned to the legalism. So what happens is, Pharisees begin to unite around the law. It's that doctrine, that set of beliefs, that these are the things that we unite around. And if you don't believe like I believe, then we can't relate to each other. That's the leaven of the Pharisees. They operated in judgment. They saw everybody else wrong except themselves. So much so that Jesus, in in the Luke passage... Jesus says that the leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. You do one thing and you're saying something else. You're, you're, it's, it's hypocrisy. And that religious system orders maintained with rules and punishment controls the environment. And that orders to protect position, not life. It's, it's a performance-based system 
Or if you can check all the boxes and agree with all these boxes, then you can be part of our club. What if it was the life of the Spirit that was the measure of our unity? Springfield has a lot of that religious stuff in it. It's part of our city. And we've been contending for several years to see a shift in that so that the life of the Spirit can become the unifier within, within our city. The second leaven was the leaven of the Sadducees, and Ray did a great job outlining who the Sadducees were the other week, a couple of three weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, they were the keepers of the temple. To me, the Sadducees, the, spirit, the, the leaven of the Sadducees, represent secular theology. Um, they united around the rejection of the supernatural and the adopting of modern culture. It was the syncretism of bringing Greek culture into the Hebrew mindset. Ray did a great job of laying that out for us. That, that, was, that was the essence of the Sadducees so that what's going on in society becomes the norm that the church needs to set itself to. So if there's a council culture going around, that's what we align to. If there's a critical race theory going around, whatever's going on in society, whatever culturally is happening, the Sadducees wanted to take that and bring it into the life of the kingdom. He said, be careful of the leaven of the Sadducees. The Sadducees believed in an unrestrained free will and God has no direct role in our personal lives. In other words, we can do what we like, we can marry who we like, we can have relationships with who we like, really doesn't matter too much to God. Sound familiar? It's 11. It's 11 that if it gets into the lump, it begins to permeate the lump. The Sadducees were, were mostly upper class. Ray already said this. They, they bought into that Greek philosophical mindset. But they were willing to change the truth to make it more compatible to the day they lived in. That's that Sadducee leaven. Order for the Sadducees was to buy into the cultural narrative. And they relied on the wealth, money, resources as a means of maintaining that. The struggle Jesus had was the unbelief that created. It's always a faith issue, it's always an unbelief issue. And the unbelief created in that was because of Naturalism. Naturalism is we've rejected all things spiritual. There's no resurrection. There's no spiritual elements. All this naturalism is the here and now. And if you're, you live in that naturalism, you are never going to find faith. A lot of the body of Christ is watching the news, living in naturalism. That's what it's called. It's void of the supernatural. We live with a kingdom mindset that expects divine intervention. 
expects breakthrough, expects healing, expects transformation. Y'all with me? The leaven of Herod is the political system. Some translations use the Herodians there. It's really quite similar. It's a political system. The Herodians were a political party that wanted Herod the Great or supported Herod the Great. But that political system exalts civil law above scholars of moral law. It's whatever the law decides. So if the law says abortion is okay, then that means abortion is okay. It sets aside God's law for the civil law. That's what that political spirit does. It's driven by image, and or they unite around a culture of dishonor, tearing people down. Politics advances by tearing the other party down. Just watch the news. You can tear the other guy down, then you exalt yourself. It has nothing to do with honor. Driven by image and position, advancement through divide and conquer. Order in the leaven of Herod is to protect the political narrative. It's all about spin, impressions without truth, both sides. Impression without truth, just let's spin it to meet our narrative. And Jesus said, if you let the leaven of the Pharisees get in, you're going to have unbelief because your experience and religion, your religious experiences nullify the faith. If you let the leaven of the Sadducees in, Unbelief is there because of the naturalism, the culturalization that goes on. Leaven of Herod is the unbelief because of misdirected trust in political and legal structures. If I'm trusting the system to fix this, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to be very helpful. But if you're trusting the intervention of the kingdom, something profound is going to happen. The leaven of religion, culture, and politics all operate in fear and are powered by the fear of man. It's driven by the fear of man. So to, for us to get back into the kingdom, we've got to get delivered from the fear of man. We've got to get delivered from what other people are going to say. Back to Ignatius again. It's quite a guy. Ignatius is probably one of the most well-known martyrs under Rome. This is what he said in another one of those letters. For the work we have to do is no affair of persuasive speaking. Christianity lies in achieving greatness in the face of the world's hatred. 100 years after Christ. Christianity lies in achieving greatness in the face of the world's hatred. If you're trying to be loved by the world right now, you're missing the kingdom. Having said that, when you present the goodness of God, it's going to draw people by droves to the gospel. Not everybody's going to love you. Places around the world right now where the church are growing the fastest are also seeing the greatest persecutions, the greatest martyrdoms. But for every martyr that dies, there are a hundred others stepping up to take their place and see the kingdom advance. You know, we can pray for the martyrs and 
and I do. I mean, it's, I, I've sat in meetings and listened to testimonies that are, are, are just excruciating. But the kingdom's advancing. So in the kingdom, we unite around the mission of Jesus. In the kingdom, order is full surrender to the Holy Spirit. In the kingdom, faith grows <laughs> because we've been born into an unshakable kingdom. Let's stand up. I want to put that last picture up. I thought that last song was brilliant, guys. <laughs> I almost put that up during that last worship song. Worship team, would you mind coming back? I should have asked you earlier. If you're here, I think you're all still here. I just think, I think we need to sing that song again to close out. Ministry teams, could you come down? Invitation is real simple today. As we're singing this song, worship team singing this song, if you've been struggling with what's going on out there and that's captured your attention, I want you to come down and ask these teams to pray for you. Because our goal this morning is that we get refocused on the mission of the kingdom and we give our lives to that. It's the only thing worth living for. All of us are going to stand before God. We're going to give account of how we spent this life, how we used our time, how we used our resources. We're all going to stand before Him. What's He going to say? What's He going to say? Well, I really fought what society was doing. Yeah. There are people called to be in politics right now. They're being called to be policy changers. The body of Christ is called to work in these areas, but they work there as kingdom influence. Walking and standing in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've been distracted as we sing this, I just want us to... Yeah. Surround yourself with those on the same mission as you. Who's ready to do that? Surround yourself with people on the same mission as you. Let's worship and just come receive prayers with you.